the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Victory Lane with Reverend Lawrence Gray Sr., Associate Minister of Grace Bible Fellowship, Antioch, California, where Kirkland A. Smith is the senior pastor. Now, Victory Lane. I am your host, Reverend Lawrence Gray Sr. Welcome once again to Victory Lane, Acts 21. Verses 1 through, uh, we got 40 verses here. We're going to cover it all. This is Luke. Luke is the writer. Luke is the writer. He's the, the doctor, and he is, uh, wrote the book of Acts, and he also wrote the book of St. Luke. And he says, After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara. We found the ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre, where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. And they accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, there on the beach, we knelt to pray. So what's happening here is they have Paul and Luke and the other disciples are on their way to Jerusalem, okay? And this is how they, they're leaving from Miletus, right? They're leaving from Miletus, which is 40 miles to Kos. And from Kos to Rhodes, it's another uh, uh, about 85 miles. This is all on sea. And from Rhodes to Petora, another 70 miles. And as they're traveling, they're on their way to Tyree, they get uh, past about another uh, 400 miles uh, to get to Tyree. And from Tyree, they get to Polymias, which is another 25 miles, and from there to Caesarea, and from there they went to Jerusalem. So Paul, they have traveled about, they're going to be traveling about 2,515 miles. Now, Luke says... uh, we, w- we got on the boat and we put ourselves to, and, we, and we went out to sea. And when we landed at Tyree and we unloaded our cargo, we sought out the disciples there. I'm looking at verse 4. And stayed with them seven days. So what they did when they landed, they sought out other disciples. This lets us know when we travel abroad, we should seek out other believers who are on the same accord as we are 
Christian believers. That's what they did. They sought out other believers and they fellowship with them, you know. They fellowship with one another. Who are you going to fellowship with when you get to where you're going? Who do you fellowship with right now? Now, a Christian should not be fellowshipping with people who are in the world. Let me put it to you like this. There are people in the world, and there are Christians, either one or the other, okay? Now, that does not mean that you cannot be with them. The fellowship, what I'm talking about is hanging out with them and doing the things that they do. You know, that's why uh, uh, God said, be ye separate, come out from among them. You know, what fellowship do light have with darkness, okay? You cannot, you cannot uh, uh, be in the world and you cannot be a Christian at the same time. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve the world. You're going to, Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You'll be holding to one, loving more than the other, right? You can't serve, serve God and the world. And this is what the, uh, uh, Paul and his companions did. They sought out other believers, other Christians, right? And they fellowship with them. And when I say fellowship, they broke bread, they prayed, they fellowship, they had church together, okay? When you go out abroad on a vacation or abroad visiting, wherever you go and, and, and you want to fellowship with someone, I'm talking to Christian believers, you fellowship with those who are in the body of Christ, right? That's what the Bible says, do not be unequal, unequally yoked with non-believers. In other words, you sh we shouldn't be hanging out in the world. You are not in the world, be not of the world. You are not in the world. So if you're in the world and you came out of the world, then you need to stay out of the world, okay? Because at the same time, when you do that as a Christian, what you send is mixed messages to someone who might want to be a Christian, right? I put it to you like this. You go and you uh, hang out with somebody at the club and at the party, et cetera, et cetera, and they're not a Christian, and they see you, and they know that you are a Christian, and they look at you as, are you for real, or are you a fake? Uh, are you a hypocrite? Huh? Because uh, uh, you supposed to let your light so shine before men to glorify your father, right? You supposed to be a royal people a holy nation separate from those who are in the world. And at the same time, let me tell you, Christian, what you display to the people of the world when you fellowship with them like that, you become a stumbling block. Let me tell you that again. You become a stumbling block for someone who might want to come to Jesus. I put it, Let me put it to you like this. You go to the club, you hang out with them, you drink, you smoke, whatever you do with them, and then you leave, then they say, that's why I don't go to church now. You see that brother? You see that sister? They go to church every Sunday. They go to Bible study, Sunday school. They're always up in the church. And look at them, hanging out with us. That's why I don't go to church now. And that's when you become a stumbling block to a person who would be, might be a believer in, or, or might want to change their lives, but their reluctancy is because you are displaying 
the lifestyle that they're living. A hypocrite is a Christian living the life of a sinner, or a hypocrite is living the life of what he's supposed to be living, what he preached to be living, what he says he's living, but he lives another thing. Okay, now, let's continue. Now, so, I'm in verse 4. They sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Now, this is what happened. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And when it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city there on the beach we knelt and we knelt to pray. So all of the believers whom they are visiting has accompanied, accompanied them to the beach, to the ship, and they all fellowship and they knelt and they prayed. They prayed for their well-being. They prayed for each other. They prayed together, right, that God would give them traveling grace and arriving mercy because Paul is on a mission. Understand, he's doing something that has never, ever been done in the world before. He is going out telling the world that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that Jesus died on Calvary's cross for the sins of the world by shedding his blood, that Jesus died on that cross, and he not only died on that cross, he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and he rose from the grave. They never heard of this. And Jesus says that if you believe in me and become born again in me, you'll be saved and have eternal life. This is the message that Paul is preaching and teaching all over his missionary journey. All these places he's going, and they never heard it before. Now, let's continue. We're going to go through uh, verse 6 through 11. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyree and landed at Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Okay, so when they got to Ptolemais, that was about 40 miles on the sea. And from there, leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. We traveled another 40 miles. Each time Paul is traveling from town to town, from place to place, he is preaching and teaching the word of God about Jesus Christ. Trying to, to, to manifest, to get people to believe in Jesus Christ. This is what he's doing. Right? So they say with Philip, the evangelist, he had four unmarried daughter, daughters who prophesied. What they prophesied, evidently, they prophesied the word of God because Philip is an evangelist and evidently his daughters are uh, believers also. This lets us know, parents, I'm talking to the parents, this lets us know that your children will in all likelihood Follow the training in which you teach them, okay? Your child will not know God and Jesus Christ unless you teach them. That's why the Bible says, train up a child in the way 
he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. He may skip out, he may miss, he may get off track, but the way you train the child, it will come back to the child, and the child will come back to its learning of what mom and dad has taught us. But guess what? If you're not there, if you're not teaching, and if you're not trying to learn yourself, you, 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 your child is going to be lost until someone teaches them. And hopefully it's not the world. Because that's what the world want to do. The world want to snatch your child, snatch your boy, snatch your girl, and turn them out into the world. Turn them into a life of sin. Turn them into the, into the uh, 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 lifestyle of serving Satan. Okay? The Bible says your enemy and, and your enemy, uh, the, uh, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion seeking who may, whom he may destroy. Jesus says he came, he is the prince of darkness. He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the devil does. Steal your soul, kill your body, and destroy your life. You have to be careful that your children don't get caught up in the world because this is what Satan wants to do. But Philip had uh, 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 had four unmarried daughters who prophesied and evidently he taught his daughters about God. Verse number 10. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul, Paul's belt, tied his own, own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. So Agabus, the prophet, is telling Paul, when you get to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen. They're going to bind you hand and feet and hand you over to the Gentiles, the non-believing Gentiles. For what? To destroy you, to kill you. Agabus is warning Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, something bad is going to happen to you. Huh? That's what he's telling them. Now, we can be assured that God will protect us and keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger when we are walking in his will, doing what he has assigned us or called us to do. Paul has been called on a mission. And here's Paul's response. He knows his calling. He knows what he's been called to do. Check out what he says. Luke says in verse 12, After we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Man, don't go up to Jerusalem, man. Don't go there, Paul. They're going to kill you, Paul. Don't go to Jerusalem. They're begging him and pleading with him. And then Paul answers in verse 13. Paul answers and says, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. Let me put it to you like this. Paul says, I'm ready 
to give my life for what I believe in. I'm ready to die for Jesus Christ. He said, he say, he say, I'm ready to die. He said, for me, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. gain. In other words, I live for Jesus and if I die, when I die, it doesn't matter. I'm going to gain because I'm going to be with him anyway in heaven. Jesus put it to us like this. When you are called as a missionary and everyone listening who's a Christian are, is, are and is a missionary. A missionary is simply this, one who tells another about Jesus Christ, one who tells another that Jesus saves, one who tells another that Jesus is the Son of God, one who tells another that Jesus shed his precious blood on the cross called Calvary for the sins of the world, one who tells that Jesus died on that cross, one who tells that Jesus Christ was buried in a bald tomb and rose from the dead after being dead three days. One tells who tells about Jesus that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And one, one who is a Christian tells another that Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. And if you believe in Jesus and you are born again, when you die, you will have everlasting life. One who tells that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the King of Kings. He is the Son of God. He is Lord of Lords. When he rose from the grave, he said, all power in heaven and earth is in my hands. When he rose from the grave, he took the sting out of death and got the victory from the grave when he rose from the grave. The last enemy that Jesus conquered was death. When he rose from the grave and said, all power in heaven and earth is in my hand. Paul said, Jesus says, Jesus says this. When Jesus was doing his ministry and Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, I must do the works of him that sent me while it is day. For the nighttime cometh that no man can work. John 9 and 4. In other words, Jesus is saying, I must, he was on a mission. I'm on a mission and my mission is to tell everyone that I am the Savior and I come to save and, and I come to give you life and give it more abundantly. And if you believe in me, you will have everlasting life. And he says, I must do the work of him that sent me while it is day. For the nighttime coming when no man can work. Your mission is over, Christian, after you leave this earth. After you take your last breath. Until that day, until that time, you are a missionary on a, on a journey on an adventure to tell the lost and the dying world that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he saves to the utmost, that through Jesus you can have everlasting life. So they're telling Paul this and say, Paul, don't go down to Jerusalem. Don't go there. Paul says in Galatians 2, 20 and 21, I am crucified with Christ. In other words, I've died to Christ and I no longer live on my own, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith 
in the Son of God, which is Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I'm ready to die for, the, for what I stand in and for what I believe in. And this is what he tells us. Let's continue. Now, Luke says in verse 14, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. He was not going to be dissuaded from his mission. Huh? He was not going to be dissuaded from his mission. And we gave up and we said, okay, Paul, the Lord's will be done. Let's pick up 15. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem, okay? We're getting ready to go. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Manasseh, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. You see, they took him to a home of another believer. That's why believers seek out believers. Huh? Seek out believers when you are in life. You seek someone else who's another believer. And you talk about the goodness of God in Jesus Christ. What fellowship does light have with darkness? Huh? Or what fellowship do you have with those who are in the world? Huh? Now, verse 17. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and the sisters received us warmly. What brothers and sisters? Those who are believers. We're going to 18 and 22. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. James was one of the, one of the disciples. Peter, James, John, Matthew. There were 12 disciples. I can't name them all. You want to you name them all? Go to Wikipedia. I can bring that for you. It's not on the tip of my tongue right now. But James was one of the three disciples that ran with Jesus real tough, Peter, James, and John. Paul said, we went to see James, and all the elders were present. In other words, all the elders in Jerusalem, these are the leaders, or today we call them pastors, were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministries. In other words, he's telling them how Jesus, what God had done, the work he had done in saving non-believers, even the Gentiles. And they were excited and they praised God. Verse 20. When they heard this, they praised God. Then they said to Paul, You see, Brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? Paul didn't actually tell them to turn away from the law. He's letting them know that you can have the law but the law is not above Jesus Christ, right? And the, the, the Jewish believers are taking the law of Moses as gospel. And Paul is giving them a new gospel. See, because God said what the law could not do in Romans 8, I think it's the fifth verse, third verse, what the law could not do 
in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh for those to condemn the law, for those who not walk after the flesh, but serve God. Let me, let me get that correct. I don't want, I don't want you to say, uh, 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 oh, he got that wrong. I might do have it wrong. I'm going from my memory. But guess what? I know where it's at. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. See, we could not uphold the standards of the law. So God sent his son. He sent his son to redeem us through his blood. Because what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. There was no, absolutely no way that mankind could uphold the standards of God's law in the Ten Commandments, okay? Let me put it to you like this. Put it to you like that. There's no way we could do that. We kept sinning. We kept messing up. Oh, yeah, it's God's law. But we couldn't, we couldn't hold to the standards of it. So God sent his son sent his son to redeem us from the law through his blood. We'll see you next week. We pray that you will join us again at Victory Lane. Join us next week as Reverend Ray continues his teaching on the book of Acts. You can hear all Reverend Gray's teaching on the book of Acts at gospel1190.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.